Thank you for agreeing with me this morning and supporting uh, what God's doing through me and through this church. So I'm going to start this morning with the same scripture that Billy started with, which is Philippians 1.6. It really went off in my spirit when she brought this scripture up first and taught on this scripture because we all know that this church was started about 46 years ago. My husband and I started this church uh, with, actually, it, it became a church with 30 people, but we started in our home with three people. And on November the 6th, 1977, we started Victory Center in a little bitty building. It wasn't long, and it continued to grow. But... Our pastor, Charles Mendenhall, began a good work. And many of you were there when we started. And that work continued over the years. And then uh, when he went to heaven, there's always that question, will the work continue? And I liked what she shared last week. He will complete every work. Now, when we started Victory Center, in Pastor Charlie and I's heart, we wanted wanted it to be a Victory Center. This was a place where people can learn to walk in victory. Now, some churches are called to win the lost and we do want to win the lost absolutely but in our hearts the vision that we had was we're going to teach the body of Christ how to be victorious and so we started that good work and that's in the part of God and that was in the heart of God now you remember that in two places in the Bible In Matthew 28 and in Mark 16, just before Jesus was taken up into heaven, he gave some instruction to his disciples. Now, we call it the Great Commission. So, in uh, Mark, the 16th chapter, starting in verse 15, he says, And he said unto them, this is the part that we know the best about the Great Commission, Go into all the world, preach, and publish openly the good news, the gospel, to every creature of the whole human race. He who believes, adheres to, trusts in, and relies on the gospel, you can recognize this is amplified, and him who it sets forth is baptized will be saved from the penalty of eternal death. So this, he's talking about preaching the gospel, getting people born again. But he who does not believe, who does not adhere to, trust in, and rely on the gospel and him who set it forth, will be condemned. Then verse, the next verse. And these attesting signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new languages or new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will get well. He's talking about supernatural signs following the preaching of the gospel. 
So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. But listen to this next verse. And they went out and preached everywhere. While the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied it. Amen. So Jesus had said, go preach the gospel and all these signs will follow. Okay. So uh, that's what they did. And God was faithful. And people began to be born again. And we, we could go through the book of Acts. And we find uh, tremendous testimonies of huge number of people that were born again. Let's look at this in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus approached and, breaking the silence, said to them, All authority... All power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19. So then you go and what? Make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion... To the very close and consummation of the age, amen, so let it be. So not only was the commission to go out and win the lost, but to disciple and teach those that came into the kingdom of God. So the good work that Victory Center has started is that we are here to win the lost and disciple and teach. And this good work will complete, be completed. So I want to look at Philippians 1, 6 again. And I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue. So I want to assure you, don't, don't take that down. I want to assure you that what God started in this place will continue. And how long is it going to continue? Until the rapture. Until Jesus Christ comes back, it's going to continue. Right up to the time of his return, developing that good work. See, everything that God does starts as a seed and it is developed. And over this 46 years, we have watched it develop. But it's not going to stop. It's going to keep developing that good work and it's going to be perfected. Woohoo! I love that word perfect. Oh my goodness. I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist, but I certainly want everything done right. Developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Now, when Paul is talking to the Philippians, he's not only just, he is talking to the church, but he's also talking to individuals in the church because you are the church. Every individual in this place is a part of the church. 
Victory Center is not this wonderful building. Victory Center is you. You are the church, and so he's working in you as well to develop the good work that God started in you. So I want to address that for just a minute. Every single person in this place has a purpose. Every one of you has been tailor-made to do something needed desperately in the body of Christ. Every one of you. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, I want to look at that this morning. I love this verse. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus and born anew. Now, if you've been born again, if you haven't, you need to get born again, and we'll give you an opportunity at the end of this service, but if you've been born again, you've been recreated in Christ Jesus, and we've been created for a purpose. That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand. You could underline that. For us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Leave leave this up there just a second. So God has recreated you for a purpose. And he has predestined you with a path that he wants you to walk in. And when you walk in that path, He guarantees that it will be the good life that that he has prearranged and made ready for us to live. So people say, well, what is my purpose? I don't know what my purpose is. I remember years ago, years and years ago, when we were still on the ranch and going to church in a Nazarene church at uh, Pampa, Texas, there was this elderly lady, and uh, I think the pastor must have we might have had a revival or something, and the pastor was talking about uh, surrendering your life to God. And she said to me afterwards, I've never felt comfortable surrendering my life to God because I'm afraid that he's going to ask me to go to Africa. And I don't want to go. And I thought, I don't either. But she had an idea about God that whatever his will is, he was going to make it just as uncomfortable for you as he possibly could. So that he could, you know, you could really, really be dedicated by suffering. Well, that's not what this says. It says he's got a path laid out for you that is the good life. When you walk in that path, that purpose he has for you, it's going to be fun. 
Psalms 139, verse 16 says this. Your eyes, God, saw my unformed substance, and in your book all the days of my life were written. When was this book written? Before they ever took shape, when as yet there was none of them. How do you think God knew how to write your book? Because he put in you, when you were formed, everything that you will need to fulfill his purpose in your life. So the question is, how do you find your purpose? Well, I know how I found my purpose. When I was just a little girl, I don't know how old, probably early grade school, my brother and I, when we played together, I was the preacher, he was the congregation. It just seemed natural to me. And also... I, uh, I, from the time that I learned to read a book, I loved books. I think from that day to this day, there has hardly been a day go by that I haven't read something. Because I love books. I love to read. I mean, if you, my, if my mom was here, you would, you would be able to ask her, where I spent most of my time reading books. She'd get so aggravated at me because I would just sit around and read books. And then she'd make me have to do something, and then I'd go back and start reading the book again. And so I had a goal when I was uh, a teenager. My goal, I had three goals I wanted to reach in life before I died. One, I wanted to paint a picture. So I took lots of art lessons and I paint lots, I pay, I've painted lots of pictures and I enjoyed it. The second one was I wanted to decorate a cake. Now that was the easy one because I had three children and they all had birthdays every year. And so I would decorate a cake and I reached that goal easily. My third one wasn't quite so easy. I wanted to write a book. And so when I got to my 65th birthday, I thought, you know, the sands of time are running out for me, and I haven't written my book. So I started praying about it, and I, I didn't know if that was a godly goal or not. But I said this to the Lord. I said, if you'll find me a place where I can write, because I have to have everything quiet, undisturbed. I think it's something in my brain or something. And if you'll get me a laptop computer, I'll write a book. Well, we, I discovered that we already had a, a house that we had bought and was remodeling over at Sealing, Oklahoma. And uh, it was just perfect to write in. There was, you know, it was, it was small and 
And so I thought, okay, we had put it on the market, nobody wanted to buy it. Now I know why. And so we, uh, we fixed it up, put furniture in it. And so then it wasn't very long and my husband said, you know, I think I'm going to buy you a laptop. And I thought, okay, Lord, are you trying to tell me something here? So he bought me a laptop. I got the laptop, went over to the ceiling, sat down at the table. And I thought, okay, here I am. Lord, do you really want me to write? I really need to know. Because I didn't think I was a writer. I didn't know how to write. I did some studying about writing. And uh, I heard the Spirit of God as clear as I've ever heard the Spirit of God say this. He started pointing out to me my personality. How I like, I don't mind being alone. I'm in all all the different aspects of personality that an author needs to have. And then at the end, he said, you are a writer, so write. When I heard that from God, I knew I had received an instruction about a purpose that God had made me for. Did I know how to do it? No. But I started studying, and I started writing. And my first book was uh, Unlocking the Secret to Healthy Relationships. My husband said, when he read parts of that, he said, um, you know, with the way you like description and to tell stories, you ought to be a fiction writer. And I thought, I don't know how to write fiction. So I took a fiction writing course. And when I started writing fiction, I knew I had tapped into a purpose that was the deepest part of my being that fulfilled me. I mean, it was a good life. I loved it. So that's how I found out my purpose. You find out your purpose by what is just so exciting on the inside of you to do. What's pulling you? How can you be an asset to the kingdom of God? When I write fiction, I don't write it just just to entertain. My fiction stories are messages, faith messages, to teach people. It's fiction, I call it fiction with a message. I don't know what God's called you to do, but I would just guarantee this. That if I would do interview Floyd Calm this morning, I would find out that his greatest joy is building. Look what he has done. If he didn't enjoy it, he wouldn't have taken all the time that he took. And there's many of you are the same way. There's something on the inside of you. That is pulling you, exciting you. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's ushering. Maybe it's winning the the lost. I know Terry goes into prisons and jail. And if he wasn't excited about that, he would stop. I can guarantee that. But he enjoys it, right? Don't let me down. Okay. (laughs) But God has a purpose for you. 
And if he has a purpose for you, he has a place for you. And he has a place for you to use the gifts and the purposes that God has put on the inside of you. But it has to be developed. So how do you develop your purpose? Um, the first, the, I, I've just got three steps here. Yeah, I can do it in three steps. Number one, you find out God's plan by hearing from God. You say, well, I can't hear from God. God will let you know. If you really, really, really want to know, he will let you know. One way or the other. He will let you know. Uh, I, I was thinking of Jesus in Luke, 14, Luke 4, 16 through 19. It talks about Jesus' purpose. Jesus had to find out his purpose just like you and I did. He did not come into the world automatically knowing. If you read my book on um, Fall Like Lightning from Heaven, you will, uh, I quoted uh, a man that had gone to heaven and come back and written a book about it, and he had seen a book with excerpts of Jesus' early life. And it was written down in this book in heaven. It's called, and so uh, I, I quoted some of that. And this, in this book, he was, he was visited by the father when he was just like six years old. And the father started telling him about his mission. And I won't go into all of the details of, of that book. But Jesus learned his mission little by little. <clears throat> just like we do. But when he got to Luke, the fourth chapter, verse, starting in verse 16, so he came to Nazareth, that Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he entered the synagogue as was his custom on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And there was handed him the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. He had looked in the book to find out who he was. And so then he stood up and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those that are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Jesus, and then to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Jesus looked in the word of God to find out who he was and what his purpose was. And he did not mind proclaiming it. Now when you find out your purpose, it's important that you speak out of your mouth who you are and what God has, the purpose that he has for you. Because, let me tell you, the, there is an enemy <clears throat> that's going to try to steal 
from you and steal your purpose and sidetrack you and you will never fulfill what God has put you on the earth to do if you don't defeat the enemy and his lies. Now what happened whenever Jesus was baptized by John and then he heard this voice from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He confirmed who Jesus was. God confirmed who Jesus was. The very next step that Jesus took was into the wilderness. And there in the wilderness, he faced the enemy. And what are the first words the enemy said? If you be the Son of God, then do this. To prove it. See, the enemy will say, you're going to have to prove what your purpose is by how you act. Well, you may not have acted right up until this point. You might not have a history of being faithful. But if God says you're something, you're something. If he says it, you don't have to prove it to the devil. Eventually, everybody's going to know it. And everybody knew eventually that Jesus was, or at least they had the opportunity to know, that Jesus was the Son of God. But the devil will try to trip you up and lie to you and tell you I'm nobody. Look at my past. I, I mean, I was abused. I got off on drugs. I was rejected. That's who I am. You start to think, I'm a victim of my circumstances. Or I'm a victim of my past. The devil will try to sidetrack you two major ways. One is through offense. We, we teach about that a lot. Well, you better guard against that. If you get on in offense, you will be sidetracked and sidelined. Deal with offense as soon as it comes. Do we have that picture that um, I had? A, I ran across a picture. If we could get that up there. There we go. Uh, can you read that? Why is everyone so mean to me? Nobody else has suffered like me. I really don't deserve anything good or don't deserve it. Wounded. I'm deeply wounded. It's all unfair. Nobody understands me. I guess the world just hates me. Sure, go ahead, walk away, just like everybody else did. Sigh. Elizabeth Elliot, you all know who Elizabeth Elliot was. She was a great missionary's wife, and 
She, she made this statement. Self-pity is of the devil, and if I waller in it, I cannot be used by God for his purpose in the world. See, I, I, I did have to fight that. When I was uh, over a year and a half ago, when I had to, I lost my husband of 60 years, and I had to, I felt like the Lord was telling me to step into his shoes. And I thought, how can I do that? There's no way I could do that. And I would, I would hear these voices. Who are you to think you could do that? Nobody wants a woman pastor. And I thought, well, I can't really identify as a man. I mean, all these voices, and I would just, I would talk to my son, Brad, and I'd say, Brad, I don't know if I can do this. Just, just move over here, and you just do it. You do it. You're a man. You do it. And uh, one day, I don't know what it was, I was watching somebody on TV on, on a Christian uh, program, and all of a sudden, I had an aha moment. And I thought, you know what? I think those voices that I was hearing was the devil. And you know, I decided I wasn't going to listen to the devil. So what I had to do was say, listen, I'm just going to say this right now. I'm called of God. I'm anointed by God according to the word of God. I'm called, I'm anointed, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He gives me grace for everything I need to do. He has placed on the inside of me anything he wants me to do. And I'm telling you, there was a burden that just went, whoosh, evaporated. Amen. Because I was going to get sidelined. And the devil is going to try to sideline you as well. Because he's going to tell you, you don't have anything to offer. I mean, who are you to think that God could use you? Or whatever he tells you. I'm not good enough. I don't, whatever. Well, if God's called you to do something and you don't feel like you're good enough, study. Find out how to do it. Talk to someone that does it better than you and get some information. And develop. So don't buy, this, don't buy Satan's lies because you will be blinded by Satan's lies. Number three, I want to look at Matthew 9, 27, starting in verse 27. I'm going to look at it in the Amplified first. I'm going to read it all through in the Amplified, the TPT, and the Message. As Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, shouting loudly, Have pity and mercy on us, son of David. When he reached the house, so I want to stop here for just a minute. So here's Jesus. 
He just had raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And he was heading home. I mean, he had had a big ministry day. The woman with the issue of blood, he'd had a big ministry day. And he was heading home to his home where he stayed. Here's these guys behind him start shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. Did he pay any attention to them? No. He just walked on. Went into his house. And he, when he reached the house and went in, the blind man came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, yes, Lord. Verse 29. Then he touched their eyes saying, According to your faith and trust and reliance on the power invested in me, be it done to you. Now, well, let's read that out of the TPT. As Jesus left the house, two blind men began to follow him, shouting out over and over, Son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed him right into the house where Jesus was staying. So Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? They replied, yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, you will have what your faith expects. Now I want to read it out of the message. As Jesus left the house, he was followed by two blind men crying out, mercy, son of David, mercy on us. When Jesus got home, the blind men went in with him. And Jesus said to them, do you really believe I can do this? And they said, why, yes, master. He touched their eyes and said, now this is the name of my sermon, become what you believe. It happened. They saw. So I'm going to stop right there. If you're going to fulfill your purpose, it's going to take faith. You're going to have to be believing God to get the blinders off your eyes and really see the vision of what God has for you as an individual. And I want you to look at, uh, go back up to, can you scroll up just a little bit to where it says, maybe the next verse up? Yes. Yes. As Jesus left the house, he was followed by two blind men. And then later we find that the blind men went in with him. One of the big keys for believing God and receiving from God, I don't care what it is in your life that you're trying to receive, you must follow Jesus and be determined to follow Jesus. You know, these, these blind men could have said, oh, you know, I heard that Jesus had put mud on the eyes of that guy down there at Jerusalem, and so, okay, let's go put mud on our eyes. Would that have worked? I'm going to tell you, you do not follow people's experiences. You don't follow people's testimonies. When they stand up and tell you how they got healed... You don't do what they did. You follow Jesus. Because 10, Romans 10, 9, uh, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the rhema of God. That means the present word, illuminated word to you at a certain time for a certain situation. And I could tell you stories about how I have been healed in the past, but hardly ever has it been the same. I've tried doing it the same. Okay, last time I got healed, we did da-da-da-da-da. And so, therefore, that's what I need to do now. And I didn't get anything. The only time I've gotten healed is when I heard from Jesus. Jesus said to them, do you believe that I can do this? Jesus will say to you, whatever you need in your life, whatever you are striving for, whatever your purpose is and you're trying to do it, he's going to say, do you believe I can do this? Because we can't do anything. We can't fulfill our purpose in life without an intimate relationship with Jesus. And when you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, that means you're going to have conversations with him. And you know what he's going to say to you? Become what you believe. Because you see, we are what we believe. That picture of that guy that we looked up on the overhead a while ago, he believed he was a victim. Guess what? He became a victim. Everywhere he go, went, he was a victim. Everybody was rejecting him everywhere he went. Because that kind of an attitude brings rejection. We have a purpose. You have a purpose. You need Jesus to guide you, to tell you what your purpose is, to anoint you. Whatever you need to get from Jesus, he's going to ask you this. Do you believe that I can do this? See, we think sometimes that we've got to earn whatever we want from Jesus by confession, by whatever, all the different things we've heard, and all those are good. And we must say out of our mouth what we believe. I'm just going to make this statement. Your words affect your believing. And your believing will affect your words. So what we need is believing. How do you believe? Jesus said, do you believe I can do this? It's getting to know Jesus. Knowing him. Be intimately acquainted with him. Let your life be so saturated. Young people, let your life be so saturated with Jesus, you will never miss a step. You won't miss a step on that path. So, here we are. God started a good work in the church. God started a good work in you. Who's going to complete it? He said, he will complete it. Do you have a part? Oh, yes, you do. Your part is obedience and believing. You believe for what you receive. 
You don't work for what you receive. You believe for what you receive. And then you will have it. According to the word of God. So I'm going to read to you what Billy Brim prophesied last week. She had a prophecy for the church. She had a prophecy for me to start with. And I'm going to read it all to you because this is our purpose. And let me tell you, uh, this prophecy will not come to pass without you helping. Listening to God, doing your part. I mean, your part may just be talking to someone out there and inviting them to church. Oh, we like that. Thank you. You that's done that, thank you. We've got a, we've got a little space here. We, we can fill these chairs up. This is the prophecy. Margaret, that that seemed a burden to you has become and will become a great blessing. Woo-hoo. That that seemed too heavy to carry will carry you. That was, that was so refreshing. For from its inception, this is a good work from God and will continue to bless in ways you have yet to see, but will become evident in the upcoming days, yea, in the near upcoming uh, upcoming days men will flow in great numbers into my blessings here what you call the end days are just the beginnings and are very near from its inception victory center was raised up for this hour now we've always known church in a certain way but it's about to change It's about to be some very great changes. And the changes are moving us into another realm. A realm where we have never walked before. A realm of the supernatural, past anything we have ever known. Are you ready for the supernatural? You know, we can only do so much. But I believe in these last days, before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a great outpouring of the supernatural. There's going to be miraculous healings. And I've even heard some say that there will be many, many raised from the dead. You believe that? Well, that's what Jesus says was going to happen. You think he lied? That's his heart. That's what he wants. And in the upcoming days, because of things that are going to happen really soon, this building won't be big enough. Hallelujah, Floyd. Got more work for you. And it won't be like what you think. And we'll have great, that we'll have great meetings and that we'll have revivals. No, it's because of all the changes. All the changes in the world. All the changes in the realm of the Spirit. And they will hear it here. They'll, uh, they'll come here and hear what to do. They'll come here and hear messages from God that will tell them steps to take. Some of them will not know how to hear from God, but they will say, you can hear there at that church, for they hear from God. And so the future is as bright as God can make it. But there are some things here, sometimes here, that we are going through, even darkness in the world. And there are those who are going to come here because you have the light. And you will hear from God. 
And they'll know if they come here, they can hear from God. And many, many, many of the last fruits of this ministry will, be, will far surpass the first fruits of this ministry. So be like those who went with Paul. Go with the vision and say, this is not all. This is just the beginning of all of what it shall be. And, the, and Lord, look. Here, you can count on me. Each one of you say from the depths of your heart, My God, my God, of that vision, count me a part. Oh no, I have not left you individually behind. Know that I'm working in you and soon you will find. A change has been made. A change where you will move into me. In a realm where you can see and be individually. You, 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 and you. I don't know if that person's here, but who had a spat on the way to church? Peace will fill your house. Be a keeper of the law, and that law is love. And then you can work in perfect partnership with the throne above. Bickering, leave it behind. Do not remain always in the realm of the mind. Feed your spirit on the powerful word that is true. Let that word arise and do its work in you. Knowing the rivers of God are flowing unto you and out of you, it shall be thus and so, and ere many days, these things spoken of you will know. That was a word from God for Victory Center, for you individually. We're going to fulfill what God has called us to do. Stand with me. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.